I want to read a quote to you by A.W. Tozer, which I think is such an incredible quote. Uh, I wrote it down. I, I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but I'll, I'll have it on here on the screen. And it says this. It says, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What, what he's saying is, is that how we view God, how we think about God, that's one of the most important things about us because he continues actually in this quote and says, based off of your mental image of God, that's what draws you to God or repels you from God. Because how many know if you look at God and you see a God who is a judge or boss or a master or a Lord or one who's a, who's a divine scorekeeper. He's just up there just tallying your scores just to see how you're doing. Or if your view of God that he's some heavenly butler that just stands and waits for your request so that he can meet all of your needs because we know that God's greatest thing is to make you happy. Just want y'all to know that is not true. <laughs> God does want you to be happy and God does want you to be blessed but uh, God wants you to view him in a certain way. And, and here's what I would say. If you have a distorted view of God, you have a distorted life. And if you have an accurate view of God, you have an accurate life. If you have a wrong view, wrong life, right view, right life, flawed view, flawed life. And so... I don't know how you were raised. I don't know, you know, what your upbringing was like. I don't know what your even relationship with God was like growing up. I don't know how maybe your parents or grandparents or those around you talked about God. But I know that however that was, that is informing the way that you live and interact with God. And so when A.W. Tozer says, hey, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing, he's, he's very, very true. Now, if you read throughout Scripture, especially the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus teaches us about God in a certain way. There is one prevailing thought of how Jesus describes God to his disciples and to all those who follow him and everybody that he talks about when he talks about God 189 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God, uh, Jesus gives this word about God. And that word is Father. Father. This is the one way that Jesus describes God, that God is a father. When the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we see you praying. You're praying very differently than everybody else we've ever heard pray. Teach us how to pray. And we see, he says this in Matthew chapter six, verse nine. He says, then he showed, said, when you pray, this is how you pray, our Lord, our master, our king, our ruler, our judge, no, of course not. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then in John chapter 14, when Jesus is describing his Father, he says, if you want to know what the Father's like, because everybody's like, who's this Father? We don't really see him. We see you, but we don't know who the Father is. He says, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, and then he goes in in Matthew chapter five and he says this, and in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to 
your father, this is what we are called to do, who is in heaven. And then we think about the moment that Jesus was baptized, and we're not going to go through all 189 times he talks about the father. But I want to look at this very, um, probably one of the most important moments in Jesus' life before he ever starts his ministry, before he ever performs a miracle, before he ever does anything. We know the story, if, if you look in Matthew 3, is the story of Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist says, I can't do that. And he says, no, 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 you, you need to do this. And so he baptizes them. This is where we get the, uh, the example of, of why we are baptized, because Jesus himself was baptized. And so Jesus comes up out of the water. And when he comes up out of the water, it says, and behold, a voice from heaven says, this is my, what? Beloved slave, my beloved servant, my beloved son. This is what he says. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is God the Father in the moment going, that's my boy. That's my boy. And in that moment, God the Father is bestowing a blessing on his son, which by the way, all fathers in this room, that is our job. As dads, as fathers, as grandfathers, our job is to bestow the blessings on our kids. We are hardwired as kids to want our father's blessing. All those that have kids in here, every dad in here, you maybe understand this. If you ever dad, you ever been at work and you, you go to work and it's been a really, really long day and you come home and, 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 and your kid's going, daddy, daddy, watch, daddy, watch, daddy, daddy, watch, watch. And you're like, I hear you, I hear you, son, I hear you. I hear, dad, dad, are you watching? Dad, watch. So we have a pool at our house and so we have a diving board off of our pool. And I remember countless times coming home and my boys would be, daddy, watch, watch, dad, watch, watch, watch me, dad, watch, dad, watch. Mom's been with them all day. They want to know what daddy's watching. And, and then they will not stop saying that until you're watching. And then when they go and do, whether that's a flip or a dive or a pencil or whatever all the different things are that they do, and then as soon as they come out of the water, the first thing that they come out of the water, they're not even worried if they're going to drown or not. They're just looking. Dad, did you see? Dad, dad, did you see? Did you see? I saw it, son. Good, good job, son. What they're, what they're wanting is dad's approval, dad's blessing, dad's, y'all, are y'all with me? Dad, where you at? Dad, you watching? Dad, I'm just, yes, 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 I'm, I'm watching. This is, this is what they're doing because it's hardwired in all of us to, to want our daddy to approve of us, to be proud of us, to, to, to affirm us, to bless us. And we see this in the very beginning in Jesus' life that before, watch this, this is so crucial here because the father gives his blessing on Jesus before he ever performs anything. Because he wants Jesus to know this, because immediately as soon as Jesus leaves this place, he goes into the wilderness and he is tempted by the devil. And think about the power that Jesus had to go into a wilderness, now full of the Holy Spirit and full of his father's blessing, both. Full of the Holy Spirit and affirmed of his father, he steps into one of the hardest moments as he goes 40 days without any food and there's the enemy after him. And, and, and he realizes, I don't have to work for my dad's blessing. I already got it. 
Are y'all with me? Okay, so I'm gonna walk you through this a little bit because uh, this is a huge part here for all of us because the Father sent Jesus into his mission with the blessings, not in hopes of getting the blessing. And here, in here lies the problem because if God wants you to know him as a father, then the enemy is going to do everything he can to destroy fatherhood everything that he can to destroy fatherhood. The U.S. Census Bureau, the latest one, says that there are 18 million children, and probably upwards of that, that do not have a father in the home. That is one in every four child that's being birthed in the U.S. do not have a father at home, all right? Now, that means, though, that that there are three out of four who do have a father at home, but, but listen to me very closely. Just because three out of four have a father at home doesn't even mean that the father really isn't even at home. Because how many know a father can be home but not home? And so we have what they are describing, this, this generation is the fatherless generation. Hey, that is not by accident. That is all of hell's plan. That, that if we can not get the Father's blessing, how I many know if we get the Father's blessing, it's like a step that we step on and it helps us go further into life faster. But if we miss that step, how I many know it can trip us up in life? Because we're going all around looking for this that we've been longing for that's been hardwired inside of us. We've been looking for this from people because we didn't get it from our dad. And so... God the Father is wanting to, to show us how he is a father. And, and, and what does that look like for us in here that maybe have had a great dad? Which, by the way, for those in here that are in the three out of four category, uh, that's incredible. That's what we want. That's what we want to see. That's the heart of this house is that we help raise up men that are going to be the fathers of their homes, for their children, for their wives, for the city. How many know when the level of fatherhood goes up, everything goes up? Come on, somebody. Everything goes up. Um, and, and, and that is not to take away by any means from the mothers in here. I just want you to know, for every mother in here, we cherish you. We love you. You are the most nurturing, amazing women in the world. But, but God also has called men to step up to be that as well. Not to be the nurturer, because my kids don't come to me for nurturing. Um, by all means. Unless it's just one of those days and they're like, Dad, I ain't going in there. I'm like, that's a wise son. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. They, they, they come to daddy for decision-making. They come to daddy to, what do I do in this situation? They come, often come to daddy for that. So there's something that's valuable that God gives us. There's a reason why God made woman and man. God gave a wife and a husband. God gave a father and a mother because there's two things that our kids need from both of us. And, you know, for many of you that are maybe in here that you've had to do both. And uh, I'm thankful for this. Listen, I'm very, very thankful for this, that what we oftentimes lack in our natural family, God gives us in supernatural spiritual family. Come on, is somebody in here grateful for spiritual family? Yesterday, I got the opportunity to go to a wedding of uh, a dear lady in our church. Her son got uh, married yesterday. She has three sons, just like I have three sons. She's been a single mother for a long time, and she's raised all of her sons in our house and yesterday, I got to go and watch her celebrate her son's uh, wedding, and I pulled the son aside, and who's, um, I've had a, a lot of opportunity just to watch him grow in our house, and he has served in our house and all of our different campuses, and I came alongside him, and I said, I just want you to know, 
how proud I am of you um, and how proud your mom is of you um, and how proud we are of you. You're a man of God. And um, I, I don't know about y'all, but I think that means a lot. I know that means a lot to mamas who are having to do mama and daddy jobs to know that there's just other men that, that can come alongside and just say that to their children. Um, and I'm grateful. I, I wanted to say this. I'm incredibly grateful uh, for the men that are in this house that also speak into my sons. Um, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to speak into many of your kids as well. This is, this is what it means for us just to be blessings that, you know, that oftentimes what we lack in natural family, God supplies in spiritual family. And I'm so grateful for that. So grateful for that. I want to share with you um, five types of fathers, five types of fathers, and then um, because I, I, I believe that God wants to speak to us, and this isn't just even just for dads, and you'll see a little bit of this message that's here. Um, this is for all of us here, but there's five types of fathers, and you're going to, as, as I list these five fathers out, you're going to place your father probably in one of these categories, maybe in multiple ones of these categories, but the first type of father is the absent father, the absent father. Um, some, some of you have absent fathers right now because of death. Um, your father is, is not here, and like we said, our hearts, our hearts are with you. We know how difficult that can be for a day like this, but some of you have absent fathers because of divorce. Some of you have absent fathers because of dysfunction. Some of you have absent fathers just because of disinterest. They just, they don't even really care, and um, I, I want to speak to all those that are fathers in here that maybe you were the one who ran away at times. I just want to say this to every father in here that maybe ran away in a moment and, and left your kids. I just want you to know there's no shame or condemnation here. We want to help you. We want to help you. We, we want to help you. How I many know it's never too late to make things right? It's never too late. It's never too late. Uh, and, and, and I know for us as fathers, oftentimes we can have shame for our decisions that we've made, and maybe we made some poor decisions, and maybe we did bring some of that, but um, it's never too late to do that. I love what Charles Kettering said. He said, every father should remember one day his son will follow his example and not his advice. That one day every son will follow his example, not just his advice. And so the first type of father is the absent father. The second type of father is the abusive father. Um, he, he not only didn't bless you, but he hurt you. And, and, and maybe he hurt you emotionally. Maybe he hurt you verbally. Maybe he hurt you physically. Maybe he hurt you in different ways, but there's the abusive father. And this is what I have found out, that, that most fathers who are abusive were abused. That it's just a repetitive of the cycle that's been happening from their father to their father to their father, that most people who are abusing of others... Uh, how many of you have ever heard the thing, hurt people, hurt people? And so we, we look back over the history, and sometimes that allows us to kind of have grace, and yet we're hurt, and yet we have to process through that ourselves. But oftentimes we can give a little bit more grace when we understand that that, that hurt was just passed down from hurt. They didn't mean that, but it's just what was modeled to them. And so there's the abusive father. Then the third one is there's the performance-based father. This is the father that does want to bless you, but you're going to have to do something in order to earn it. Uh, you're going to have to perform well on the sports field to earn, I'm proud of you. 
You're gonna have to earn it in the classroom. You're gonna have to do something to prove to me that, 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 that you are worthy of what I wanna bestow upon you. And so when you don't do well, then I withhold the blessing. When you do do well, I give the blessing. And so you have kids that are trying to uh, prove to their father that I'm worthy of this. And so they go to school and then they, they, go, they go to get, get, get a job and, and their whole life, I, and listen, I counsel so many people that their whole life is trying to prove to their dad that they were someone. And somehow that they are in a place where now uh, they're looking and going, Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you see that? Dad, did you see that? Am I good enough? Am I good enough now? Am I good enough now? That, that, and then what ends up happening is, of course, we take that mentality into our relationship with God and we start thinking about our Heavenly Father and we go, am I good enough? Uh, I need to pray more. I need to give more. I need, I need to serve more. I need to do more. Uh, oh, when I'm wrong, when I do something that God doesn't approve of, then, then oh my God, I, I've got to figure out a way to work myself back into good graces with God. And that's a whole performance-based mentality. And it can create people that have to feel like they have to earn things in order to receive things. Number four, the fourth type of father is the passive father. Um, this, this, is, this is a father who is present, um, but maybe not present. He's there, but maybe not fully there. He's, he's in the room, but he's not necessarily aware. He's not taking initiative. He's not speaking up. He's not speaking in. Kind of reminds me of uh, uh, two boys who were arguing about their fathers, and one, one, one guy said, my dad can beat up your dad. And the other, other, other boy looked back, and he said, well, that don't matter. So can my mom. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> that's funny. So... <laughs> this is, this is, the, that's funny. Okay. That's, so this is the type of dad who doesn't engage when there's discipline. Mom's doing everything. Mom's, mom's doing the discipline. Mom's doing the decision-making. Mom's doing, and, and, and he thinks his whole thing is just to provide for the family. That's my role here. I make all the money and y'all spend it, Right? That's what I do. I just, I provide for this family. I'm working hard for y'all. Why can't y'all appreciate? And you realize that your kids don't want your money. They want you. Your kids want you. Your wife wants you. And so we get into this kind of just lackadaisical passive, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm all not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to get involved in all that. I'm tired. Y'all catch me on the couch. And so we become passive. But the fifth father which is the father that we all desire for every man, I think, in here desires to be, is an empowering father. This is desire that we all have. So no matter if you've been the absent one or the abusive one or you've been the performance-based one or you've been a passive one, uh, God has wired every man in here to be an empowering father. God can help you be an empowering father. Notice I did not say perfect father because <laughs> that does not exist except for one. There is no perfect father, but there is an empowering father who will love you even when you're doing well and love you even when you're not doing well. They will bless you when you feel like you deserve it. They will bless you even when you feel like you don't deserve it. They will be the father that coaches you and, and they will love you enough to discipline you in moments that are not fun um, because the Bible says that, that Jesus, the father, disciplines those whom he loves. 
And so an empowering father is not just, I want to just be your friend, but I want to be your dad. I want to help you guideline. I want to I coach you up. I want to help see you succeed. My biggest joy is, is to see you go further and farther than I've ever gone myself. How many uh, fathers have ever said this, or your father has said this to you, that maybe in one day of discipline, one time of discipline, they looked at you and they said this, one day you will thank me for this. How many of y'all ever had a mom or a dad or say that to you? One day, you will thank me for this. How many know it's never that day you thank them for it? <laughs> How many of y'all ever heard this line? This hurts me. Come on, y'all, y'all have already heard that one before. This hurts me. I want to be like, well, turn around. Let me spank you. Let's see which one it is. Come on, how many want to do that? <laughs> well, you bend over. Let's find out if that's true. <laughs> so, that, I, I never did that. Um, I wanted to. I wanted to say it. But one day, you're going to thank me for this. And if we're honest, that day usually does come at some point where we're grateful. We're grateful that my dad didn't say yes to everything that I wanted. And my dad did put some discipline in places. My dad did these things. And can I just say this, for every dad in here that is an empowering dad and for every son or daughter in here that has had an empowering father, I'm giving you permission right now to text them and tell them thank you. Because I, I wish that that is becoming the majority, but that is becoming the minority in our world today of fathers who are an empowering father. Not perfect by any means, they make mistakes, but will be the ones to admit it. <clears throat> And God is um, the father. He is a father. He's not the absent father. He's not the performance-based father. He's not the abusive father. Yet again, what, how we think about God is the most important thing about us because if we view that God is a judge or that God is a scorekeeper or that God is a performance-based father or that God is an abusive father. Like when I don't do what's well, he kind of strikes me down and puts me in my place. And if we do that, how we view God will be based off of how we come to God or run from God. When you fail, if you run from God, you have a bad view of God. Because every good father, when their children fail, don't want their kids to run from them. They want them to run to them. Are y'all... Yes? Okay. Yeah. So, so think about this. So if I blow it and I start hiding and isolating, I have a wrong view of God. I have a wrong view of God. That I should be running to him, not from him. I'm not trying to earn anything. It's something I've already received. You know what the saddest part of uh, doing a lot of counseling with a lot of young men um, is I hear... Uh, young men say this pretty often. If God is like my dad, I don't want to have anything to do with him. If God's, like, if, if God's a father and he's like my father, I don't want to have anything to do with him at all. And I always very much encourage them, well, God is nothing like your father. Because here's what I want you to understand. God is not a reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. He is the perfection of your earthly father. Yes, your father has flaws. Hey, real quick, just want to let you know, you will too. I've been through a lot of counseling because of my dad. Your kids probably will too. Your kids are probably going to go through stuff too because we're not, the, we're not perfect. We're not perfect fathers. We, we mess up all the time. And I'm so thankful that, that our earthly father is not a reflection of me. He is the perfection of me. 
He is the perfect father in all that we do. Let's, let's read Psalm 68. I love this. Psalm 68 says it this way. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. Watch this. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. All these things. Rejoice in him. Sing praises to him. Want to be with him. Why? Because he is a, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. And watch, and he goes in verse six and he says, and God places the lonely in families and he set the prisoners free and he gives them joy. Come on, this is an incredible verse, a reminder to us that if you're in here and you have been fatherless or your father has been one of these other four, that the father is a father to the fatherless and he sets the lonely and he places them in family. If you can relate to a broken relationship with your father, this is an encouraging promise for you that God gives this promise that he will be his father. And as I said, he sets lonely in families, that what we don't get in natural, he gives us in spirit. So grateful for that. So grateful for that. I'm reminded of what C.S. Lewis said. Now, now watch this. If A.W. Tozer said that what comes in our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us, look what C.S. Lewis says. He says, I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not. Watch what he says. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. And he goes on, he says, indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait, so A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing is how I think of God. And here we are on this side, C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 no. How we think of God is not the most important. How God thinks of us is most important. So choose a side, which one is it? Is it A.W. Tozer or is it C.S. Lewis? Which one is it? Is it how I think of God is most important or is it how God thinks of us is most important? You ready? Here's my answer. Yes. Yes. My answer is yes. How I think of God is important because how I think of God determines my relationship of how I pursue and go after God. But as I pursue and go after God, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to me how God has been going after me and how God loves me and how God approves of me. And so yes, How I think of God is important, but as I know God and I find out the father heart of God, I start realizing that he loves me even in spite of me. He loves me because I'm one of his. He loves me. And how many know that's a game changer? So I need to have the right view of God because it will either repel me or compel me, but I also need, as I do that, the Holy Spirit begins to help me see me as he sees me. And by the way, how, you see, how he sees you is more important than how you see you. How he sees me is more important than how I see me. It's more important than how 
other people see me. It's more important than what other people say about me. If I can get that right and I can understand that, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. It's what I pray over my sons every morning when they go off to school is, God, may they hear your voice and your approval and know that they are approved of more than anybody else in this school, more than anybody else. May they know that you love them, that you value them. And so your heavenly father today wants you to know some things. Whether you had the blessings of your father or you're missing the blessings of your father, Today, your heavenly father wants you to know a couple things. There's three things that I feel like God wants us to know. First thought is this. We're going to go deep here, so just get ready. Y'all ready? Buckle your seatbelts. We're going deep. Going real deep. You are loved by God. Now, Nobody in here was like, wow, that's, I've never heard that before. What are you talking about? But watch this. We sang the song. He loves us. Oh, how. We've read the verses. But if I could shut off the lights and have a pin spot light on every seat in this room of people who do not feel loved by God, you would be amazed. You would be amazed at the amount of people that are in this room, that are watching online, that know that, that have read that, that have sung that, but yet really at many times feel, is it really true? Because I feel like maybe all that's happening around me is saying otherwise. That God really doesn't love me. We know the verse, but do we really believe it? But I want us to read 1 John 3, because 1 John 3 tells us. I want you to see this first word here. It says, see. Everybody say, see. See. Now watch this. This is a huge part of this verse. See what great love the who? The Father has lavished on us. Not just placed on us, not just put on us, but has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And I love this. And that is what we are. See this great love that the Father has lavished on. This isn't a small love. This is great love. This isn't paper-thin love. This isn't dirt-cheap love. This is not flimsy love. This is lavished, great love. It is Jesus on the cross displaying his love for us. Come on, how many know the cross is the greatest display of I'll pay whatever I gotta pay to get you back. I'll do whatever I got to do to get you back. I will resurrect and come back so you'll never be alone. You'll never be forsaken. You'll never be by yourself. I love you. I love you. I love you. And see is the key word in all this because until you see it, you can't receive it. But how many know when you receive it and you see it, you can walk in it. 
And when you walk in the fact that you are loved, I'm loved by God. Not based off of what I do, not based off my works, but just because I am one of his, I'm loved by God. It's what we want all of our kids to know. Whether you're doing great, you are loved. Whether you're running far from God, you are loved. You're loved. I was telling the guys at the herd yesterday, I was reading through, um, I preached last weekend in Crowley, and I was reading through Luke chapter 15. And Luke chapter 15 is the story, uh, the, the parable that Jesus uses for, for the things that are lost. So he shares the parable of the lost coin, shares the parable of the lost sheep, shares the parable of the lost, of, of the lost son. Three parables, all about lost things. I was telling them, you know, one of the things that God began to show me and reveal to me was, a, was something that I really never grasped, which was that the parable of the lost coin, the Bible says that the lady goes and searches for it, looks all throughout the house and finds it and celebrates. The parable of the lost sheep, of course, is that the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. We sing the song. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Leaves the 99, goes after the one, finds the one, comes home and celebrate. But in the parable of the lost son, when the son looks at the father and says, I want all my money, which is really just another thing to say, I would rather you be dead because I want your stuff. And the father does not balk at it. He says, it's yours. And we know that that son goes off and he lives a lifestyle that, of course, is not one that he should live. Spends all of his money. Here was the revelation. In the first story, the woman goes after the coin. In the second one, the shepherd goes after the sheep. In the third one, the dad doesn't go after the son. You notice that? The dad does not chase the son. He lets the son go. Why? Did the, did the father, was he like, whew, good riddance, thank God, all right. Just me and you, son, we're left. No, because here's, here's, here was the revelation. Because love is a choice. Love is a choice. And the father had an incredible love for his son. But he was waiting for that son to reciprocate with the love for the father. And it wasn't until he was at his lowest moment in the pig pen that that, that, that parable, in the parable he says that the young son says, my dad's slaves get treated better than this. I'm going to go back and I'm going to be one of his slaves. And so he writes, starts penning his apology note and he's on his way back. And yet again, the father did not chase him, but as soon as the father saw that he was on his way back, then we know the chase began. And this Jewish father took off and ran after his son and put his arm around his son and gave him a robe and gave him a ring and said, you are my son, let's have a party, and goes in, and they have this massively huge party. My son, who was dead, is now alive. He was lost, but he is now found, and there's a big old party. I'm sure big old Cajun party, boucherie, something was going down, okay? They slayed all the calves. Everything got slayed. I mean, it was like steak night. And the oldest son comes back, Right? And the oldest son goes, man, I didn't know we were having a party. What's going down? It's steak night? This must be awesome. What happened? Oh, your brother's back. What? My brother's back? 
What do you mean my brother's back? They're throwing a party for my brother? My brother should be out here working. I've been working. Why isn't he not working? What's going on? And the Bible says that he sits outside the house and says, I won't go in. And the same father who loved the younger son, that same father goes right back out there to his oldest son and says, I love you and all of this is yours. This is all yours. Your brother who was lost is now found. Come celebrate with us. And this is, this is what the story is. That whether you ran from God to go do your own thing or whether you stayed in your house and thought that your self-righteousness was enough to earn God's love, neither one earned God's love because God loves you neither, whether you run off or you're in home. How I many know you can still be in the house and still be out of the house? Because he was in the house, but his heart was out of the house. The other one, his heart was out of the house and he was out of the house. But both of them were loved by their father and invited them to be back into the house. God loves you. God's for you. And God will wait. God is so patient. He will wait. He will wait until you want the love that he has because it's not until you, you see it. Oh, my father, he does. He does love me. He does want me. There's nothing that you've done too much that can make you... Stop loving God, and there's nothing that you can do too great that'll stop God from loving you exactly the way he does right now. Here's the second thing the Father wants you to know is that you are a child of God. You're a child of God. Romans 8, 14, Pastor Stephen read a little bit uh, of this. You're gonna have to change your verse for the next service because you can't steal my verse. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Romans 8, 14 says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. I love this. He says, but instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. But watch the rest of it. He says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. His spirit affirms with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, everybody that's in this room has one of these. And I got one of these when I was brought into this world. This is my actual birth certificate. I was born in Baytown, Texas, February 21st, 1982. And on this birth certificate, it's got my full name, Joshua David Belt. My mom's the only one who can say that, by the way. Um, Joshua David Bell, it's got my file number, it's got my birth date, it's got where it is, it's got that I am, uh, that I am a male. Um, that's for a future message. Um, okay, and then the, really the two most important things from there is it says, Father David Owen Belt. Mother, Jolie Carol Belt, has two names, a father and a mother. Because I needed a father and I needed a mother. I, I, I received something from my father and I received something from my mother and them two together made me. And well, if you're gonna clap, clap. Okay, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. I don't know, do we clap? I don't know, I don't know. And so I am the result 
of a father. I am the result of a mother. And so it's, it's on my birth certificate. Maybe some of you have different things that, you know, describe a little bit more of you, your weight, your length, whatever, all that stuff. And so, like, some of my personality comes from my parents. Some of my behaviors kind of come from my parents. Some of my kind of weirdness stuff comes from my parents. Some of my good stuff comes from my my parents. My my parents have kind of put all that inside of me. And then, of course, I lived in a home with my parents. And so I got to to watch all of this. And so I'm I'm surrounded around my parents. And... um, any of y'all ever been, it's like been a long time where you maybe haven't been around family or a friend or whatever for a long time, and then you show up, and especially maybe even as you're getting older, and they look at you and they go, you look just like your daddy. <laughs> y- y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Uh, you look just like your, you know, you got the face of your daddy, you got the body, you got this, you got that, you know, they start pointing out things like, you look just like your, if you like, if if you know my three boys, um, my last son, Joel, is a spitting image of his mother. Um, he looks just like his mother. We put wigs on him to see if he looks like his mother. We've done... He's okay. He's not going to need that much counseling, but we're, we've, we've done all that. So each of my boys have, like, different, different things of, of Lindsay and I. Um, they, they look just like them. And uh, it's funny because... You know, I have different things like, like my dad. So, like, I laugh like my dad. I'm, I'm loud like my dad. Uh, like, that, that's just how I am. Lindsay would look at me and go, that's your dad. That's your dad. Um, it's just like the things that I have uh, about him. The, the reason I bring all that up is because we have, you know, we have this birth certificate, and we've, you know, we, we, we may look like our parents. We may act like our parents. You, you, you may even say things when you're young. I ain't ever going to do that. And then you get old and you have kids and your mom's like, <laughs> you're doing just like me, just like me. Um, and so we all, have, we all have this birth certificate. But for those who are in Christ, you have a second birth certificate. You, you have a natural birth certificate, but when you give your life to Christ and you become born again, you get a supernatural spiritual birth certificate. So watch this, watch this. When you get a supernatural birth certificate, you got an earthly certificate, then you've got a, a heavenly certificate. How do you know that you are saved? How do you know that you are adopted into the kingdom of God? This verse tells us, for his spirit joins with our spirit and affirms, I got a daddy. That's literally what it is. I've got a daddy. Yeah, I've got a natural daddy, but when God saves me, he adopts me into his family, and I've got a daddy. And how do I know if I'm saved? Because I have a dad who loves me. I got a dad who was blessed with me. I got a dad who dotes over me. I got a dad that I'm the apple of his eye. I have a father, and the the payoff of salvation is not that we just get to heaven, it's that here on earth, you are affirmed to know you got a daddy who loves you, and he can't wait. Yeah, he can't wait to spend time with you in heaven, but I mean, no, your daddy wants to spend time with you now, right in this moment. And it's possible for so many people, and here's, here's where I want to help pastor people, because you could have the identity of a son, but still be acting like a slave. 
You can be, have the identity, you can have the birth certificate, the spiritual birth certificate of the day you gave your life to Christ and know that you have a, 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 a spiritual daddy, but just because you know you have a spiritual daddy, sometimes you could still be acting like a servant and a slave. And yet again, like I said, we can run from instead of running too, because we think that we're a slave. And, 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 and today, I'm, I'm just here today to tell you that the gospel is the great news that not just that we get freed from hell, but we have a daddy. We have a daddy. And one day, it's, it's all about intimacy. It's all about relation. Listen, religion is, is all about rules, but the gospel is all about relationship. And if you're more focused on rule keeping, you have a slave mentality not a son or daughter mentality, which by the way, the reason why scripture says you are a son, you're adopted as a son for every, every woman that's in here that goes, whoa, how about daughters? Come on, include us. Here's the reason why Paul said sons, because sons were the ones who got all of the responsibility, but they also got all of the blessing, all of the perks. And so what he's saying is, is that all of us now, because of Christ, are all sons of God, which means that not just males get all of that, even females get all of it, because how I many know Jesus was all about elevating women just as much as he was at elevating men. When the Holy Spirit came down, it wasn't just on men, it was on women too. The first person he saw after the resurrection was not a man, it was a woman because everything Jesus did was to elevate women. So don't see sons and go, well, that I'm out. No, 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 no. You are a daughter of God as well. He's just saying sons so that you know that men and women, everybody gets all the rights. Everybody gets all the privileges. Everybody gets all the perks. Everybody gets all the relationships. You are a child of God. You've been adopted into his family. If your family was not a good family, you have an adopted family that is. Now listen, the spiritual family that we have in this church is not perfect either. It's not. But God's spiritual family is a perfect family, his family. And so you are a child of God. Number three, last one, and we're done here, is that you are an heir of God. You are an heir of God. So he says, for his spirit joins with our spirit and it affirms that we are children of God. And verse 17 now says this, if you keep reading that same verse and it says, and since we are his children, we are his, what's that word? Heirs. heirs. We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his sufferings. We share in both of these things. Now, when people come over to our house, 98% um, of people, when they come to our house, will, will knock on the door, ring a doorbell or whatever, uh, because they're guests. And so they sit there and they wait until one of us in our family comes and you know, unlocks the door and, and lets them in. That is not the case for my sons. My sons have never knocked on the door, ever. They don't knock on even the doors on the inside. <laughs> like, they don't knock. They come in. And, and when they come in, they act like everything in the house is theirs. Like all the food in the pantry is theirs. All of the food in the refrigerator is theirs. They act like the internet is theirs. They act like, they act like my clothes 
are theirs. My shoes are theirs. Everything in my house is theirs. If you did that, I would call the cops. True? Somebody came in your house and was like, what do y'all got? Y'all got pickles over here and got some meat. I just need some meat. Who are you? The reason that they can do that is because of the relationship. They're my sons. They, they can do that. They, they can barge into my office like they often do and just go, dad, 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 and start asking a bunch of stuff no matter what I'm doing. Whether I'm working or on a phone call, dad, I, need, I got a question, I got a question. What are we eating for dinner? What are we eating for dinner? <laughs> Trying over here to counsel somebody. Can you just hold on for a second? Like, because they're my sons, they do that. There's, there's a level of relationship and intimacy that is there because, watch this, they don't have to set an appointment with me because they're not servants, they're sons. They're not, they're not my servants, they're, my, they're my, my sons. They don't have to just come in and go, oh dad, please, please, please. Now they do that sometimes when we gotta make decisions. But they're my sons. So everything in my house is really is, is theirs, it's ours. We take care of it together. I bless them, I wanna bless them. This is, but this is the perk and the privilege of being a son in the house is you get access. And today I just want you to hear me, I want you to hear the heart, and hopefully this is the Father heart of God that you are not just loved, and you are not just in the family, but you have everything Jesus have, you have. Everything Jesus had access to, you have access to. So all of the peace that God has is for you too. All of the, pe- the love that Jesus has, you have too. Everything that he has, you have. Because watch this, relationship changes everything. When there's relationship, it shifts it all. And everything that belongs to Jesus, guess what? It all belongs to me. If freedom belonged to Jesus, it belongs to me. If blessings belong to Jesus, it belongs to me. What would it look like? What, how would your prayer life change if you realized that you weren't praying to a king and just to a Lord and just to a master, but you were praying to your father? I mean, no, we don't need to be begging God for anything. God wants to do it. God wants to bless us. God wants to love us. God wants to use us. And so I just say, Father, you know. You know what I need. If you take care of the birds of the field, come on, you know that I need a job right now. So God, I believe you're gonna take care of this. God, you, you know what I need right now. Lord, if you'll take care of this, God, I know you'll take care of me. God, I know that the sickness is not of you. I believe you're a healer and you can heal and I trust you. I trust you, I just, I trust you because you're a good father. And this is such a, a sequel really to even what Pastor JJ talked about last week, that when we see God as good, what it does in our life. And today I pray that as you see God as a father, a good father, that loves you, wants what's best for you, that you are a child of God, you are an heir of God, everything Jesus has, you have access to. Father, we love you. And God, we just thank you today on this Father's Day, Lord, we, we, uh, we thank you that you are the perfect Father, the great Father who has never forsaken us, who has loved us, who has been there for us, who has called us, who has shaped us 
So today we are reminded of how great your love is for us, that you have lavished it upon us, that you are continually lavishing it upon us. And I pray for those that are in this room right now, Lord, that, that if there maybe was a spotlight right now of those who feel like, oh, but God, I don't know if you really love me. God, that there may be a number of those that are in this room that are feeling that right now, feel isolated, feel alone, feel, God, today I pray that you would just remind them that they are not. The good news of the gospel is that even and yet in our sin, Lord, you loved us. Even yet while we were sinners, you loved us and you gave your life for us. Not when we cleaned ourselves up, not when we were finally all put together, but God, in our brokenness, in our dysfunction, in our sin, you loved us, you came for us, you rescued us. You're a good father, Lord, who wants the best for us. So, Lord, we just repent today if we've um, had the mindset of a servant, the mindset of a slave, and not the mindset of a son or daughter of the father. God, I just thank you today, Lord, that you're radically shifting our mindset on how we view you. How we view is the most important thing about us, but also how you view us is also the most important thing about us. So today we receive all that you have for us, Lord. We repent of our selfishness and our sin, and Lord, putting ourselves first, and Lord, we put you first. Your word says in Matthew 6, that we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Lord, we seek that first today. So Lord, I just pray that over every person that's in this room. If you're here and you don't, you've never confessed Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life, to, to accept him and accept what he's done on the cross for you, I, I, I wanna pray for you. If you're here in this room and that's you, would you just shoot your hand up all across this room? If that's you, if there's anybody here say, today's the day I wanna dedicate my life to the Lord, this is the moment. Praise God. Praise God. Well, Father, Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, that you are the king, you are the Lord, you are a master, but God, more than anything, you are our father. Lord, we receive all that you have for us today. Lord, I pray, Lord, you know what every person in this room is walking through. Lord, you know what they need. And I just pray, Lord, right now that you would not only meet that need, you would exceed that need, and I pray that you would continue to do what you wanna do in and through them, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.